0: Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Ken Harrison of Promise Keepers is coming up with response to how culture has defined Christianity rather than what the Bible has to say and how important it is to change the narrative. Then, prior to her presentation at Tutwiler Prison for Women in Alabama, sponsored by Prison Fellowship, leading prison reform advocate Lisa Kratz Thomas shared with me about her journey, as it's been said, from the crack house to the state house. Material from that conversation is ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection from Christ's Church of the Valley in the Phoenix area, Mark Moore brings an update to an earlier conversation about a Bible reading guide that involves 15 minutes a day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, now with a student edition. Finally, retired pastor Bill Westifer provides some insight into some of the causes of stress in the lives of those in pastoral ministry and offers biblically-based strategies in order to respond. This is The Intersection, of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Ken Harrison is the chairman of Promise Keepers, which is a movement of Christian men. In a recent conversation, he discussed the way that the media covered the story of a young man accused of taking the lives of eight people in the Atlanta area, and how his connection to an evangelical church was used to mischaracterize the teachings of Christianity. With some comments now, This is Ken Harrison.
1: We've got to have discipleship groups where we have people coming together um, to to teach who we are so that they know. Because right now, a lot of damage is being done by Christians who engage in arguments with human wisdom because they don't know Scripture. And God's Word is living and active, and it never returns void. And so when we take the world on, we need to do it. We need to see people through God's eyes, through the fact that He loves them, through people who are angry and spitting vitriol at us are people who need Jesus, and we need to remember that. It's not about winning an argument. It's about winning a soul to Christ, and we do that through scripture, and we do that by discipling each other, by sharpening each other. So promise keepers, um, you know, for people who are younger who may not have heard of it, it was this massive movement in the 90s where NFL stadiums were sold out all over America uh, in the 90s, and then it resulted in 1.4 million men. Uh, the biggest gathering in the history of washington dc in october of 97 um but though it was a great movement you, you know i often say everyone left those promise keepers events ready to charge hell with a bucket of water but once they got to hell they didn't know what to do with the bucket because no one was discipling them and so, so that's why this event at at t stadium on july 16th and 17th is going to be amazing there'll be 80,000 guys there singing and and uh, repenting and authentic and hearing the greatest preachers in the world it's really an awesome event, but it, it doesn't do nearly as much good as it could unless you have discipleship, which we now have. People can download the app from the App Store, just Promise Keepers, and it's got great discipleship, and it will help to put you into small groups and discipleship groups. Really active discussions about guys with tough questions, saying, "Hey, you know, my my son just came to me and said he's homosexual. What am I supposed to do?" And and guys giving each other counsel. It's going to be awesome, and so. I would encourage everybody to come to the stadium if you can. You can get tickets right now at promisekeepersevent.com. But also download the app because this is not just about what's going to be an awesome time. Really probably the first major event, maybe in the world, of it, a full stadium around something. It'll be around worshiping Christ. I think mm. it's going to be a huge news story. But also download the app because we, we really want to follow up so we can train people to deal with these issues because they're coming after dress it's they're really starting to take their mask off okay jesus promised us they would but how do wise people respond in these moments we've got to disciple each other the older men the older women need to be teaching the younger men the younger women this is who we are this is what we stand for this is why when a man puts on a dress he's not really a girl this is what the bible says about it it's pretty simple stuff yeah but unless we're teaching people aren't going to get it
0: this uh, device is being used, and that is the seven promises of a promise keeper. And so, you really have a definition of a Christian man, and how a Christian man is to respond to culture in Christ, and how a Christian man is to, su- supposed to behave toward women. So, if you had to, you know, in the last minute or so we have remaining, if you had to to really summarize that, what would you say?
1: Be like Christ. Um, people say, what's a man? I say, look at Jesus and look at really who Jesus is, not who he's been projected to be. Because in too many churches, we preach an idol called Jesus. We don't preach Jesus. We have to remember that Jesus was utterly filled with compassion for the woman at the well who had lived the life of sin or the woman accused of adultery. But he also threw all the money changers over. He also called the, the Pharisees disciples of hell he was very confrontational, he knew people's hearts, he declared the truth, and he said, everybody who wants to come with me, let's go. But when the guy came to him and said, Jesus, I really wanna follow you, as soon as my dad dies and I get my inheritance, then I'll follow you, and won't it be great because then I'll have so much money and it'll all be good. And he says, if you don't come when I call you, then get lost. Jesus is both of those things. Men need to be filled with compassion and grace and love, but also strong, standing for truth and refusing to compromise. Both of those things are true, and the world is telling us who Jesus is. We as Christians need to know our scripture and be involved in discipleship so that we don't get our Jesus defined to us by the world who doesn't want to repent of sin. We know. We have personal relationship with him. We're on our knees in prayer. He's speaking to us. We're saying, Lord, I want to abide in you. What do you have to say to me while on my knees? I'm not going to sit here and beg for stuff. I'm not going to sit here and put in a religious uh, thing but I'm going to sit on my knees in silence and I'm going to pour my heart out to you in real authenticity because you know my heart anyway. And I'm going to sit back and listen. What do you have to say to me? And then I'm going to journal it. I think the Lord said this and I think he said that. And as we do that, as we pour ourselves out, we'll find his voice gets clearer and clearer to us every day.
0: Ken Harrison here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the organization by going to promisekeepers.org. Next up, it's speaker and prison reform advocate Lisa Kratz Thomas in advance of her Good Friday appearance at Tutwiler Prison for Women in Wetumpka, Alabama, including a streaming component. Shared about her life story, which included drug abuse and prison, and the transformation she experienced through Christ. From that conversation, this is Lisa Kratz Thomas.
2: So excited to be doing this on Easter weekend. I mean, oh, yes, I, I I feel as though I've been in exile for a year. Things have been shut down, and this is just truly a gift from God. Because once you have the opportunity to minister uh, behind the walls and and being a person who was incarcerated, it there's just nothing like it. But so my story, the crack house to the state house, um, and that's absolutely the truth. It wasn't quite that quick, but, <laughs> but it it that that was my journey. Um. You know I started drinking and using at an early age age uh, 14 I I, um, started having sex at 14 my life was just a mess by the time I got to 18 years old and got involved with um, a very uh, violent man I was in an abusive relationship for 10 years and uh, when I was around 20 I started smoking crack cocaine and you know, I, I always say that I think crack uh, is the breath of the devil. It, it literally will put you in situations where you would do things that you would never do at any other time. It just totally um, jeopardizes your life in every way possible. So I spent quite a few years addicted to crack, still fair, living a fairly normal life. And then um, it took over. And so did the abuse and the relationship I was in. So I found myself at that point not being able to work. Um, you know, not too many people wanted to hire you if you didn't show up. And um, I, I was out of options, and so was he. And we were homeless, living on the streets of Washington, D.C. for two years. And, um, you know, desperate people do desperate things, Bob, and, um, and, and I always try to remember that when I'm ministering to someone. We don't ever know the level of desperation that someone uh, is dealing with. And I was desperate. I was desperate to block out everything that I had done up to that point in my life. Because it's like a vicious cycle. You get high, you forget your life, then you come to and you've got to get high again so you can forget the things that you're doing. And... Um, I, I had no, nowhere left to go, and I ended up um, uh, prostituting myself, and my boyfriend became my pimp, and it was just a vicious cycle. I was alone. I was heartbroken. I was just I, I was a shell of a person. And um, luckily for me, I was uh, picked up on writing bad checks. And, um, I served a year in the local jail and I can tell you, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. God saved my life because it was the thing that led to the thing that led to the thing. Mm. And, um, you know, I got involved in 12 step recovery. I got saved. I started just, just giving my life back to the Lord in any way that I could. Um, and as time went on, I ended up starting a home for women in Fredericksburg, Virginia, that were reentering from incarceration, and I operated that for um, 10 years. And that's where uh, to, uh, the the second part of my of my tagline from the crack house to the state house. I I was appointed to serve on a Senate subcommittee in Virginia that studied reentry, and I was reappointed. I was I did that for four years and. You know, that's quite a story for a girl who stood on the street corner selling her body for $20 of crack cocaine. I mean, if that isn't proof that God can clean you up and allow you to walk in your destiny, I mean, it's 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 still, it's hard for me to talk about it without tearing up because it's still miraculous to me.
0: Lisa Kratz Thomas here on The Intersection. You can find her online at lisakratz, K-R-A-T-Z, thomas.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can also find links to the Intersection Podcast, including its presence in the Media Center and through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is the Intersection Podcast. I had the opportunity recently to chat with Mark Moore, teaching pastor at Christ's Church of the Valley in Phoenix, Arizona. In our conversation, he discussed the Core 52 Student Edition, a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. From that conversation, this is Mark Moore now.
3: And instead of asking people to read the Bible through like Genesis to Revelation, what if, we, what if we cherry-picked those verses that pastors all over the world have continued to preach because of their track record for transformation? So we just, we just selected the 52 most important verses for faith and practice, and we just did a short little essay on those, followed by—this is where the 15 minutes a day comes in—you can read each essay in 15 minutes. And then each day is an exercise that will apply it to your heart, to your hands, to your mind, to your society. And so that th- we got this product of Core 52. So far we've sold about 100,000 copies all over the country, and during COVID, small groups found themselves very sticky around this mm. simple idea of 15 minutes a day to know God's Word in a year.
0: So what are the dynamics, maybe the peculiarities of actually taking this material that you developed with Core 52 and adapting it for students?
3: Well, I'm actually really proud of a student edition. I think it is a better edition for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, we, this was just for students, we took the vocabulary and put it into student world which means we also took out some of the sections that were a little more complicated, maybe a little more adult oriented. So the book is 40% shorter, which a lot of people like, but more importantly in the introduction, I'm just much more personal. Like here's, here's something from my life that, that introduces the conversation. So you feel like you get a better connection personally, more importantly, at the end of the chapter, the discussion questions for adults that I put on the website, I've actually put in the book. So you don't, the, the book itself has a group dynamic to it that is oriented to students. Uh, last thing we did was we made the five-day exercises appropriate to middle school, high school students. So, man, if you're if you're wanting to disciple your own kids, this to me, Bob, was the magic of it. I want dads to win. I want moms hmm. to win in discipling their own kids. Mo- most parents don't know how to do that because no one's ever trained them. Here's a tool that if 15 minutes a day around your dinner table, your family can have a spiritual dynamic that, uh, honest, it, 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 we've, we've been at it a year and a half now. We actually know that we know that we know this will disciple your kids. This will raise your Bible IQ, and it will transform lives at an individual level at, and as at a family level. So big, big win for parents wanting to really be the spiritual leaders of their home.
0: Tell me about the what you see as the importance of students engaging with the Bible in this way, especially during this this season, this multi-year season of their lives.
3: Yeah, of course they're 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 in a crisis in their lives, mostly a psychological crisis because their brains are developing to uh, formal logical thinking. It is the time when the bigger ideas of life are starting to hit them head on. So students, it's like when you exercise a muscle for the first time. You go, oh, well, that was you know that was interesting. I didn't even know I had that muscle. Students, their brain is that muscle that they're going, hey, I can think logically. The problem is culture is just confronting them with, hey, there really are no rules. There really are no absolutes. In fact, they're saying you don't even have an actual gender, which is, of course, nonsense. So to have God's word encounter them and, and empower them to have the ability to actually think Spiritually, strategically, logically about the issues that our culture is throwing at them, critically, critically important. I'm watching the students at our church that they don't have the, without God's word, they do not have the ability to confront culture. And so now you've got the bulk of time they spend is at school and online. The influence of church and parents is waning. Now we need God's word to give them the tools to stand for God in a godless culture.
0: Mark Moore here on The Intersection. You can find out more through core52.org or by going to markmoore.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection, it's retired pastor Bill Westifer, who shared about his book, Clergy Stress, Causes and Cures, based on his own experience, including stressors that affect church leaders and strategies for dealing with them. From that conversation, this is Bill Westerfer.
4: now. You know, if you've got leadership issues is one of the core sources of stress. You've got to develop leaders around you uh, that are gonna buy into what you're trying to do, buy into your vision, that sort of thing. Secondly is relationships. You've gotta have internal relationships and you've gotta have external relationships. There's gotta be people in your church that are willing to take a bullet for you and willing to fight for you and protect you. Uh, when I was in in high school, I had a, my best friend, and I were playing tennis. And I happened to be dating this other girl that was going steady with another guy. He shows up. Uh, this other guy, whose girlfriend I've been dating, and he shows up and threatens me, and and I'm holding a tennis racket, and he's coming at me, which is, kind of tells you about his mental capability, anyway. Ooh. But my buddy across the net yells at the guy, says, "Listen." If you're going to go after him, you got to come through me first. And that's the kind of people you need to have in your church, people that will defend you and protect you and that you can have confidence in. But you've also got to have external relationships. And one of the best things that happened to me, Bob, uh, when I was going through a very stressful time early on in my ministry at Cowpens, was I discovered a group of pastors down in Greenville that was called the Pastor Advisory Council. And I was invited to go down there once a month. And I could vent, I could cry, I could talk openly, and I didn't have to worry about being used as a sermon illustration. We had a (laughs) pact that nobody could go out of there. You couldn't even tell your wife, anybody about what went on in that meeting. You've got to have those external relationships with people where you can be vulnerable and transparent. Thirdly, you've got to be sure of your divine call. Everybody that I interviewed in the book where it could point to a time when they knew God called them. And when, the, when, the, when everything starts falling apart, Bob, you've got to have that confidence that God called you. Fourthly is prayer. You've got to have a daily time alone with God when you're praying. Fifth is scripture reading. And I don't mean counting getting ready for your Bible study or your sermon. You've got to have a separate time of reading the scripture to feed your own soul another one the 6th one is reading there were pastors in the in the study that did crossword puzzles they read science fiction they read periodicals they read anything besides a commentary or a maxicato book or a focus on the family book to get their mind engaged in something else to give it a break from thinking about theology the next the 7th one is exercise obesity hypertension depression are all higher than the national average for the pastoral mm. location. So you gotta ask yourself, what best fits your schedule? Am I gonna exercise one hour a day or am I gonna be dead for 24 hours a day? You, know? you need to exercise, whether that's gardening, going for mm. a walk, riding a bike, uh, playing basketball with some friends, whatever, golf, whatever you can do to exercise. Number eight is a day off. Every pastor has to have a day off. Nobody ever had on their tombstone engraved, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. You've got to have a break. Every pastor's got to have a day off, and you've got to guard that religious. Number nine is family support. The pastors that had longevity. Their family believed in what they were doing. They, they supported their ministry. Number 10 is retreats. That could be a vacation. It can be a weekend getaway. It can be going to a conference or something of that nature. In one study, nearly half of pastors took less than two weeks of vacation a year. And in one Duke University study, one pastor hadn't taken a vacation in 18 years. Now that's just, your family's not gonna be happy if you're not taking vacation. And then number 11 is having a counselor. I mean, a professional therapist that you can go talk to, and I know that's a touchy subject for pastors, because they think they can do it all and it's gonna be embarrassing if somebody finds out about it. But when I needed help, I went to a professional counselor and Bible was one of the best decisions I ever made. I couldn't get through the early sessions without falling apart. But I needed somebody to help me process what I was going through and my feelings. And within three months, I was able to, you know, get my equilibrium back. And the counselor said, I think you're good now. You're ready to move on. But I did it in private. I did it in another town. I didn't tell anybody about it. You can do that sort of thing.
0: Bill Westifer here on The Intersection. You can find him on Instagram at B underscore Westaf, W-E-S-T-A-F. We're nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. At The Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. There are also links to the podcast to the Media Center, as well as through iTunes. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And from the Meeting House homepage, you'll find links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from the Winter 2021 Christian Product Expo in Charlotte, North Carolina. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.